brought your Bibles, I'd turn, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter number 20. Acts, chapter number 20. Um, heard a story not long ago. Kind of goes, kind of goes right along with it. Preacher, pastor preached on the army. His title of his message was uh, "The Army of the Lord," and um, he preached that. And this young man come to the back of the foyer as he was going out. Preacher grabbed him and he said, "Hey, son, are you in the army of the Lord?" And he said, "Yes, sir, I'm in the army of the Lord." Preacher said, well, how, why don't I just see you on Easter and, and, and Christmas Sunday then? He said, I'm in the secret service. Lord help us this morning to not be in the secret uh, when it comes to being a Christian. Amen. Acts chapter number 20, you stand, reverence the reading of the Word of God if you're able. Um, reading of the Word of God is important, but you know what? It can be reverence sitting down too. And so um, this morning will be in Acts chapter number 20, verse 28. The Bible says... If you found it, say amen. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock uh, uh, over, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you and sparing the flo- not, not sparing the flock. And of yourselves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to d- draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch, remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn thee, warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. James, would you please pray over the reading of the word, sir? morning you may be seated and uh, I'm thankful for the reading of the word this morning amen it's by the word of God that we are everywhere and so this July on the third Sunday of July will be our 136th 136th or 7th um, anniversary of Mountain Valley Baptist Church and in those years this place has been a light for the Lord we know that it has it's been a light for the Lord and at times I'm sure the doors have been shut and God, but, but, but God has kept them right where He wanted them to be. Um, but a wonderful legacy, I believe it's a wonderful legacy that has carried on throughout this life. And so, but, but this year on the third Sunday of July, we'll have uh, Brother Mark Wheeler with us. And uh, his group uh, will be singing for us. And man, I'm looking forward to it. We thank the Lord for that. Uh, and, and, but, but, but my point is, is that there's a legacy here. Wouldn't you agree? There's been something that has been carried on this all these years, and, and thank the Lord for that. But however, however, we must understand that as in the world we live in, it's growing more wicked and more wicked um, by the day, and the church as a whole is under attack. It's under attack. Churches are closing left and right in North Carolina and South Carolina and close around the Bible Belt. I don't even know if there is one anymore, but but, but we hear of it and we say, Oh man, what a shame that that is, uh, um, that they're closing. Uh, um, But in reality, I want to propose a question to you. What if it happened here tomorrow? Because it could. 
I'll tell you this, I definitely don't want it to happen here. But my point is, it can't happen. You see, you see, churches are either in unity or they're in division. There's no in between. They're either in unity or they're in division. It's nearly inevitable, inevitable that problems will come. Problems are going to come within a church. If you got, uh, oh, one person said, if you got a building, there won't be no problems. But if you got people in that building, you'll have problems. And the problems are going to come. They, there's no doubt about that. But, they, but you know, we, we, we say that they're going to come. But you know, they really don't have to come. They don't have to come. I, I'm sure in this life, uh, in the life of this church, uh, I know over the past three and a half years that there, there's problems that have come. But the members who make up the church allow the problems to come. They don't have to come. Sometimes they do sneak in. Sometimes we don't allow them to get in here. Sometimes things just happen. Problems are going to come. They're going to, but I believe that's Paul's intention here in preaching these words uh, of warning to the church at Ephesus. I believe he, he wants them to know that trouble can, it can be avoided. But that the church can dwell, and that the church can dwell in unity and not division, and it can be in blessing. And if, and if they are willing to listen to what he has to say to them, it can go on. So I'd like to give you a thought this morning as I preach on the future of this church. The future of this church. I want you to, three things. Number one, I want you to notice there's eternal value to this church. Eternal value to this church. Paul says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock of God, flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseas to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. And so the church is eternal in its matters. It's eternal. According to the King James Bible, it's not a bank account. Uh, it's not a burden. It's not a business. Uh, however, it is a bride. It's a building. And it's a body. That's what the church is. It's, those are, it's important to the Lord. And one thing I would say, that there's, there's the commencement of the church that's, that's mentioned here. It says, which he hath purchased with his own blood. He has purchased it. The Lord purchased the church with his own blood, friend. Uh, Revelation 1.5 confirms just that. He purchased the church with his blood. Jesus paid a serious price for the church. He was crucified. He shed His own blood so that the church could be bought from her slavery of sin and redeemed to the Almighty God. He died for the church. He didn't die to keep you out of hell. You say, well, what do you mean? I've heard that my whole life. I don't care. He died to bring you to God. He died to bring you to your first states. He died to fix... Now, 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 I'm just saying, that's, that's the biblical truth. He died to bring you to God, to bring you back into your creation, back to the relationship with Christ, with God, the Father. Hell, provision, those are just additives. Thank God we ain't got to go to hell this morning. Amen, I'm glad about that. But he paid the price of laying down his life uh, um, that, so that the church could be born. I tell you this morning, his blood hasn't lost any power. 
He's still going to save souls in England. He'll save souls in America and North Carolina. And I'll tell you something, if we'll just come by Him uh, um, in faith, uh, a road won't save a person. Uh, uh, the Romans' road only takes a person to Rome. Uh, a repeated prayer will not save anybody. Uh, a religion will not save anybody. Uh, but Jesus can and He will save anybody. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord uh, um, shall be saved. Uh, um, um, sirs, what must I do uh, to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, uh, and thou shalt be saved thine and thine house. That's still God's direction. Still God's direction, 100%. Whosoever, it's still whosoever. The commencement of the church, he purchased it with a... Then I want you to notice the commission of the church. Now the commission of the church, since the day of Pentecost when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room, uh, and some, some disagree, some think it started in John 20, that's fine. Um, but, the, but the church has been used of the Lord to change individuals. It's, it's been used to change uh, families and whole societies. The church has. The church is to be the light. Now, 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 now the church, the, 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 the true church has always stood for righteousness. Always stood for, the true church has always stood for righteousness, uh, holy living. It's always stood for godliness, uh, and the church has always been an instrument for the change in the world. Uh, and the reason the world uh, hasn't went down yet, I believe, is simply because of the church. Let me show you a Bible verse. Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. Let's see if I can find it. Everybody all right this morning? Amen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Somewhere over there. I don't know where the book is at. Thessalonians. Um, now we see you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye should be not soon shaken. And mind are troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by um, letter, as for from us, as that the day of Christ at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And, and that man of sin may be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in this time. For the mystery of iniquity doeth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Who's he? I believe the church is in that, man. And I know the Holy Spirit is a big aspect of that, by the way. But all I'm telling you this morning is that I believe the reason this world has not been able to go into utter desperation is because of the church. The church, the light, because of the church, the gospel has gained legs. The gospel has gained feet. The gospel has gained a mouth. Uh, uh, as I said earlier, it's the whole job of the whole church to tell the whole gospel of the whole world. It is the job of the church to send the money. It's the job of the church to send the men or women. And it's the job of the church to send the message to every creature. It's the job of the church. The God, remember what I said. Uh, I can't remember who said it. Carl H. Somebody. I can't remember his last name. But he said the, good, the, the, the gospel is a good news if it doesn't make it on time. It's, it's still going to be good news to those individuals who just made it. But the ones that pass away. It, I mean we have, we have, we have ten, more than ten people pass away every, 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 three, every second. Good news is not good news if it don't make it on time. Right? 
We need to go. We need to go. We see the commission of the church. We must do it now, friend. We see the constitution of the church. What makes this church so important this morning? Literally, it's the arm of God to the whole world. You understand that? The church of Jesus Christ is the only organism in existence that God has designed, called, and blessed uh, to be the vehicle and through His Word uh, to go to this world. It's the only one. It's the only one. Amen. The church is important because it's the only boat that will ever stay afloat when all things come about. I mean, for many today trying to move without the local church, uh, it will never be blessed by God. Any ministry, any movement, any mission, any man uh, will not be blessed by God if they do not come out of the local church. I'm not talking about mission boards. We understand mission boards. We believe in mission boards, don't we? We support mission boards around here. But they're still local church minded. They're still local church minded. And that's, they're still led, amen, um, by pastors, by the way. I know prayer, Brother Jimmy Millsaps, Brother Gary Crisp, and all that. I'm just telling you, that doesn't. Any of those things that doesn't operate under the umbrella of the local church and promote the church, local church is not, is not of God. That may, be, that may be bold, but it's true. These families, need these, we need Mountain Valley Baptist Church. Amen. We, the missionaries need Mountain Valley Baptist Church. We all, we're, those 34 missionaries that we support, we need Mountain Valley Baptist Church. We need to stay afloat. We need to go. We need to keep doing things. And I'm telling you, the community needs Mountain Valley Baptist Church. Uh, and, but but the, the, the whole world needs Mountain Valley Baptist Church. You're more than you think you are. Hey, my friend, don't lose your salt in this world. God loved the church. We must love the church. If those who are saved do not demonstrate the importance of being faithful to the house of God, why should we expect sinners to ever enter into the doors? I'm thankful. I'm thankful my neighbors know where I'm going to be on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Amen. I'm telling you, Baptists, Baptists they're crazy, man. Somebody say amen there. I believe Baptists are close to the thing with God, but... It's, they're the hardest thing to get faithful. It's truth. They're faithful to three things, they say. There's three F's that Baptists are faithful to. What are those? Fights, feasts, and funerals. They're faithful to those. That's, but, but I'm telling you, ask yourself, if every single church member were just like me, then what kind of church would my church be? The most important hours of our week is the ones you spend in church. I, it will is be the only ones that hold eternal value. Ones that you're doing something for God will be the only ones that hold eternal value. The eternal value of the church. Secondly, I want you to notice the evil violence of the church. It's 1155, so you ain't got to look at your clock. 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not spare the flock, also of your own selves. Shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. There's some evil violence. We can clearly see that the church is certainly vital to a person in every area of their lives. Uh, On the other side, there's the evil uh, um, that is against everything that we do. You know Satan has nothing, he wants nothing more but to see this church uh, defeated and see this church destroyed. 
It's the truth. According to these verses, there are two forces. There are forces that are going to come around the church and among the church. Um, we, we must be vigilant in this day for wolves. There's wolves. One, I want you to notice there's wolves that are around us. The Bible says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter among you, and I'll spare the flock. Rarely do wolves work alone. They can do for more damage when working in packs. I've pastored in three and a half years and I've never seen one work alone. Sure. Let me give you a few thoughts. Wolves are pack animals. Think about this. Paul speaks to this church concerning wolves. They're going to come in. They're going to try to devour the flock. And I believe it's fitting that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul uses this analogy. Because wolves are pack animals. I've never seen one work alone. Another thing, wolves work in the dark. Most wolves work, they say that rarely, I've looked all this up by the way. They say that rarely do wolves work in the daytime because... The only time they'll work in the daytime is if they're chasing a big game animal most of the time. But the fact is, wolves hunt at night most of the time. In the daytime, they would be easily detected. Why? Because light exposes them. Light exposes them. That is why the wolves within the church kick against straight Bible preaching. That's why they kick it. It exposes them. It exposes their darkness. Thank God uh, for men of God that have stood the test of time. Amen. They've held the line against the mist of wolves. You don't understand what goes on. Wolves work in the dark. Another thing I noticed about wolves is wolves attack the young, the weak, and the sick. Spiritually. Wolves typically go after those who cannot easily defend themselves against their own against attacks. Let me ask you this. If you were the devil, who would you attack? The easiest. Is that not who the lion chases? I mean, is that not who all of the wolves attack is the babes? You're not going to attack someone who's prayed up or someone who has a steady diet in the Word of God or someone who's filled with the Spirit of God. Or or would you go after the ones who are spiritually weak or the new converts or the one who doesn't pray like they should? I don't know anybody that does, but doesn't pray like they should or one who misses more church than they attend. All I'm saying is that the only one who doesn't read their Bible that much or or any of those things, that's the one I'm going to go after. You see, it doesn't make them any less part of the church. But however, if you are one of these, you have a target on your back. Don't give the devil an inch, friend. He'll take a mile. So they work in the dark. They attack the young, the weak, and the sick. Another thing about wolves is wolves typically attack from behind. They blindside. They They always attack from the blindside. When you let your guard down... That is the moment when your enemies are going to attack the church. Satan disguised himself 
Satan disguised himself. Don't you think he disguised himself? He disguised himself as a serpent to beguile Eve. Right? Genesis 3. I mean, he, he still will. Be watchful. Serpents were not a bad thing in that time. They were just like any other created animal. Think about that. Paul warned this church at Ephesus and years later in Revelation chapter number 2. The Lord comes among them and uh, he tells them that they've left their first love. This same church that Paul is admonishing here. He said they've left their first love. It's the first one he goes to. And he says, hey, I have some things against you. Watch for your church, friend. There's wolves all around us. There's wolves all around us, friend. And then Paul goes on and he mentions in verse 30, also of your own selves shall men arise. There's wolves among us. Don't want to say there's wolves among this church, but there could be. Paul warns the Ephesians that there would arise from among their own number someone, wolves, who would destroy the Lord's church. And it's true, friend. He still does it. America didn't get messed up from the outside in. It got messed up from the inside out. Petty issues don't matter what, when compared to eternity. Beloved, I'm telling you, our battle is not with each other. It's not. Uh, it's with the forces of this world. Mountain Valley Baptist Church needs other churches. And other churches need Mountain Valley Baptist Church. Amen. We need others. According to Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, Jesus reminds us of uh, something there. And he says, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself shall not stand. Shall be brought down to desolation, he said. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. It's not going to stand. It's not going to stand. Take heed. Take heed lest you fall. Don't be care. Be careful. Don't be careless. We need each other now. We need to guard the house of God. We need to be watchful. We need to be mindful. We need to be vigilant. Uh, when, when, when attacks come, don't abandon the ship. Don't abandon the ship when attacks come. Don't, 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 don't leave um, your man of God or wife, uh, whatever, working alone. I know you don't. But everybody wants to ride the cart down the hill, but nobody wants to push it back up. Tell you, don't, hell, push it back to the top. Uh, watch out for wolves. Wolves are around us and among us. Is the eternal value in the church evil violence. And lastly, I want you to notice that there's an exalted victory of the church. The Bible says in verse 31, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you day and night, everyone night and day with tears. And now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. The church may have its attackers, but man, we can enjoy the victory this morning as a church. We can. We can. This church and the one, uh, this church here, I'm telling you, it it does not have to become stats in the future. It doesn't have to, but it it can. 
It can. These verses underline just where victory lies, though. I believe, I believe number one, victory lies in a strong reliance upon God. Back in the book of Matthew, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 18, the Bible says, And also I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He didn't say upon Peter. He said, Thou art Peter, but upon this rock I'm going to build my church. I'm not building on Peter. Upon this rock I'll build my church. This is a battle. This is not a, a, just some slimy thing that, that God's going to do all the fighting. No, it's a battle that we must fight. It's a battle that we must fight. We're not supposed to just stand uh, in the premises of it. How, uh, the battle has how, it, it's been won. We must defend it. The true church essentially will survive the battles until he calls us home. The true church. And I believe the central context of these verses are that Christ must be the center of all within the church. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church. On this rock. Uh, it, it isn't about the preacher. It isn't about the deacons. Uh, it isn't about whoever else. It isn't about uh, who gave the most or who gave the least. Uh, it's all about Jesus. He must remain, if he remains front and center, this church will succeed. It's true. The fact is, if you leave a church because someone within it, you were never there to begin with. Now, doctrine and leadership matters. It does. If you're leaving for a doctrinal issue and you don't believe it's the Word of God, I say run. Getting there's somebody right. Not before you question them. It's okay to question a pastor, by the way. Somebody say amen there. I'm not talking about ugly. I'm talking about just asking them what they feel about it. Is this... Preacher, I, I just... I don't know if I believe that. Can you explain that a little bit more? You get what I'm saying? It's okay. It's okay. We can have disagreements. Did you know that? It's okay. But when you go to telling me that Jesus' blood is not enough, or Jesus' blood was enough, I, I mean, I'm just saying, go ahead and tell, ask John MacArthur about it. He don't think it was that saved him. I'm telling you is that let me tell you, it was the blood of Christ plus nothing, minus nothing. It was once and for all He paid for the sacrifices of my sins. Sacrificial atonement. It was God's way all the way from the beginning. It was God's way of the cross. Amen. For, I, I, we need God's presence. We need, He deserves all the preeminence. He does, and without it, we'll never see victory. It's got to be a strong reliance upon God. And then it lies in a striving relationship with God. It lies in that. You must have a relationship, not just religion. You say, now preacher, what's the difference? Well, I read a quote once I thought was pretty good. It said, religion is a guy fishing, thinking about church. Excuse me, religion is a guy in church thinking about fishing. Relationship is a man fishing, thinking about church. I know it goes far deeper than that, but I thought it was a pretty good quote. And... I'm just saying, how is your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Our prayer life must be rich and it must be regular. Amen. 
We need to bathe our churches and to bathe the people, the ministries in prayer. I am personally thankful for a church that will pray. I'm thankful. I am thankful. I've seen it time and time again. God, God answered that prayer. God answered that prayer. God answered that prayer. But man, we cannot be lazy when it comes to praying for this church. We need a move of God. God has done it all, friend. He's done it all. He's moved in response to the cry of his children. That's God's way. James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your faults one to another and, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Big things happen when God people pray. How's your prayer life? How, uh, how's your life in the Word of God? How's your life in the Word of God? Let me tell you something. Your King James Bible, this blessed Bible that I have right here in my hand, is the closest thing you're ever going to get to God on this earth. It's the closest thing. You ought to hear it. You ought to heed it. You ought to hide it. You ought to home it. You ought to herald it. You ought to do all those things with the Word of God. Amen. You'll never, you'll, you'll never hear from God without this book. You must ground yourself in this word. You must ground yourself in this word. And I'm telling you something. If the, future, if the future of this church is ever going to prosper, there must be those who are steadfast in this book. This world has a great need for people that are grounded in the Bible. I'm telling you, it's, it's, inspi- it's, it's inspired. It's inerrant. It means it ain't got no error. It's infallible. It means it won't fall. Amen, friend. I'm thankful for the blessed King James Bible. You know, it's a book like no other. It's a, bu- a book unlike any other. It's a book unlike any other. It's one volume made up of 66 individual books. It contains 1,189 chapters. Has 31,163 verses in it. It has 788,258 words in it. Among its writers are somewhere around 40 authors. And among its writers are, are, are authors, are shepherds, and kings, and farmers, and fishermen, and priests, uh, and prophets. It's been the most read, the most copied, the most translated book ever written. I was able to go to the place where King James VI was christened in Scotland. And it was great. It was beautiful. And it, but it, but it, was, it was very, very idolatrous. And I'm telling you, since the book of Revelation was penned, it has been translated uh, um, into 528 different languages. There's so many different things, and parts of it, parts of the Bible, have been translated in 2,883 different languages. There's a lot more to go, though. It is the world's bestseller, yet you'll never find it on the world bestseller list. It is the 100% the world's bestseller. It is estimated that over 100 million new Bibles are printed every year. And over 25 million Bibles are sold in the U.S. alone every year. 
Walmart still holds Bibles. But right beside it in Walmart in Hendersonville, they have a gay pride stand. I put about five tracks on it the other day. Because if they're going to buy it, buy it. But you're going to see something about Jesus there too. Amen. All I'm telling you this morning is that this Bible is the blessed book. It's the best thing. The Barner Group says that almost 90% of homes in the U.S. have a Bible in it, and the average number of Bible in homes are three. Yet it has never been easy to own a Bible for much of the world. In the earliest years of church history, it was forbidden to translate the Bible into common language other than Latin because only the bishop could read the Bible. What a wicked thing. Only the bishop could leave the Bible and, and, and read the Bible, the clergy, if you will. The first man to ever translate the Bible into English is a man by the name of John Wycliffe. And the Catholic Church showed him their appreciation to him by digging up his bones and burning them. That's how they appreciated him. The second man to ever write the Bible or translate, the first man to ever print a part of the, English, the Bible in English was a man by the name of William Tyndall. And William Tyndall, again, the Catholic Church thanked him by burning him alive at the stake. It's wicked. It's wicked. I was able to go to the place where, you know, Patrick Henry was um, burned at the stake. John Knox was burned at the stake in St. Andrew's, Scotland. And there's, just think about it. These men were reverently preaching the Word of God. And they were crucified. They were burnt alive on a stake. And it was always by the Catholic Church. And I'm just telling you something. It's something wicked about that. you got the Church of England, but you got the Church of Scotland, which is prominent in Scotland. They're pretty similar to one another. And they don't know nothing about Jesus. They don't know nothing about Jesus. And all I'm telling you something is that in spite of the bans, in spite of the persecution, this Bible has still had the greatest popularity out of any book that's ever been written. This book is unlike any other. And if you are ever going to be anything for the future of this church, is ever going to succeed, we need to get in this book. It's got the answer to all your problems. It's got the answer to everything you're ever going to have to worry about. If, if you want this church or any other church to go on, you must Get in this book. Don't allow yourselves to be uh, persuaded by the enemy. This year will be the 136th homecoming. Or 137th homecoming at Mount Valley Baptist Church. But man, I'd like to see it go another. And if it will, we must take a stand. We must take a stand. We must keep going farther for God. There's never any stopping point. We're not a bank account. We're not a business. 
We're never going to be able to take this money home with us. Therefore, we use it for His glory. We know that. We know that. But we must be faithful. We must be fruitful. We must be fearless and fervent for the things of God. We must do it now. We must do it now. We're in this thing as a team. We need preachers. We need missionaries. We need Christians to keep on going. Press on. Press on. Please press on. Be the future of this church. We need it now more than ever. We need Jesus now. We need God now more than ever. If we want to see the church succeed, we want to see eternal. We see it. We, we know the church has eternal value. There's going to be a lot of evil in it. But man, if I could just, if I could just see this church exalted in victory, just think about it. We stand in the judgment seat of Christ one day. It matters. It matters so much what we do now for the church. It matters. Because Christ died for it. He died for the church. It's a body. It's a building. It's 100% bride. He's coming back to get us one day. We're part of the church. He's coming back to get us. Thank God. But there's been many times in the last few years that I've seen the benefit of being part of of the local church. I see many people who don't come into don't go to a local church. They don't have the local church. And then they need the local church or somebody from the local church and they're not part of it. Lord help us. Lord help us. There's benefit to the local church. And God has made it just the way we're doing it around here and we need to continue to do it and press on for his glory this morning. Let's stand our feet this morning.